You're listening to an Irreverent Media Podcast. Go to irreverent.fm for more content from our friends. Hello, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Kevin. And, and we're, we're your favorite, favorite aunts. aunts. We finally nailed it. We did it. Okay, we're two best friends who have a lot in common and a lot on our mind. And each week we're going to tell you what is on said minds, pop culture, Christian subculture, everything in between. And also we ask, uh, we answer some questions from listeners, people like you. And like your favorite aunts, we've got lots of opinions and a few drinks in us. Because it's, um, it's more fun that way, right? So let's get into <laughs> it. This is a new episode of Your Favorite Aunts. Hey babe, it's Kevin. If you are not following me and Sarah on social media, please go ahead and do that. I am at the Kevin Garcia and Sarah is at Rev Sarah Heath. Today, we just announced that we are a part of the Irreverent Media Group, a new collection of creators, podcasters, and more making content for us, the ex-evangelical crew, the post-Christian crew, the people who are trying to figure out how to do spirituality outside of the strict Christian norms we all grew up with. It's content for every part of the journey, whether you are just now working on the questions that are you know, keeping you up at night or maybe you are already looking to reconstruct something, or maybe you're just looking for like news or like a progressive take on it. There's stuff for everyone. So go to uh, Instagram and follow irreverent underscore FM, or go to irreverent.fm on whatever media browser, uh, like the internet and find us there. And check out all of our shows, subscribe, and also mark your calendars for April 18th for our live show happening on the Zoom where we are going to get all of your favorites together, including the Dirty Rotten Church Kids, Ex-Evangelical Pod, uh, Tori Glass from White Homework, um, Brad from uh, Straight White American Jesus. Um, I mean, everyone's going to be there, all your faves. So please, go ahead, subscribe all over the place, get ready for the greatest collaborations of your life, plus some amazing stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, also, if you're not following us, this podcast is live every single Friday. Uh, well, most every single Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we, me and Sarah would love for you to come hang out with us. So go ahead and set your alarms for that. And um, this episode that I'm airing today is one of our pre-recorded conversations from a couple weeks ago, where me and Sarah actually talk really frankly about our mental health journey. So Um, We talk about meds, we talk about struggles um, with uh, self-love and self-care and all those sort of mental health stuff. So if that's going to be something that's not good for you, please make sure you take care of yourself. And yeah, so please enjoy. Um, I love you. And this is, that's all the announcements. That's me and Sarah. Okay. I love you. Enjoy the show. Goodbye. But we'll we'll take it. Consider it transmitter. It's also my new rave name. Rave? Are they called raves still? Do people go to raves still? I don't know. You're asking the wrong. I'm sure some people do, but I have. If people are going right now, it's against COVID regulations, so stop it. Stop going to raves. Yeah. Well, I mean, first, not forever. Just for now. First bit of advice: stop going to raves. That should be a T-shirt. <laughs> You say this a lot. I don't know if you actually mean it. No. I mean, I used to say all the time, um, 
that's the name of my band or that's what they called me in high school. Now that's funny. Yeah. Now that you can use on anything, but not every, because like you say it enough times on a t-shirt, like people are going to start thinking Sarah's got a lot of really bad ideas for t-shirts. <laughs> I have some good ones though. So every now and again, you've got gold, but this is also coming from somebody who knows that most of my ideas are really bad. I have yeah. a ton of ideas all the time. I feel like we're like the spaghetti theory people. Just throw it at the wall. Let's see what lands. And see what kind of oil we should use next time to make it stick next time we throw it at the wall. Correct. So, yeah, I've got a lot of bad ideas and occasionally good ones. And the good ones are really good. Yeah. And that's why you came to us today, right, listeners? Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to the, the, the pod, everybody. It's Ask Your Aunties. I'm Kevin. And I'm your Auntie Sarah. And we're going to answer your cues about mental health today. Yes. Mental health. And, and I know I say this with a disclaimer of we are not mental health professionals. This is not a we replacement not. for actual therapy. Um, we are people who have been on mental health journeys and walk with people on their own mental health journeys. But that is not a substitute for professional help. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, though. This is this one garnered a lot of responses i just really on your end 30 minutes ago not even like forever ago 30 minutes ago put this question up and i got a lot of good ones so with this might have to be like a two-parter listen we can do a two-parter i love i mean like it's a it's an important topic so it is Um, and the questions are good so we'll pick a couple of these ones but sweet so i would uh let's start with how we doing how are Sarah? How are how the hell are you? How's how the hell are you? Um, I'm really uh, good. H a i l. How the hell? How the hell are you? Which, if you're not sorry, if you don't speak Southern, um, that is how the hell are you? Is like I really want to know how you're doing. Like, spill the tea. Mm-hmm. How the, the hell are you? Yeah, that's and it's almost good it's like it's one point five syllables. It's not quite two. No, because in the South you say how are you doing, and that means I don't actually want you to tell me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine, thank you. How are you? It's just fine, thank you. Um, but what, how the, how the hell, hell are you? Are you is we want to know, or it could be like, I know something about you. Like, how the hell are you? I.e., I know what happened, so mm-hmm. how you doing? Yeah, so either something really good happened, and it's just like, mm-hmm. how the hell are you, or something really bad, typically. Yeah. But my- I'm asking just because it's just, I really want to know, I'm emphatic about it. I love it. Um, I'm doing really well. It's raining here today, um, which means I got to wear my rain boots and got to be overly dramatic with a raincoat. Um, California doesn't get a lot of rain. Um, but you know what? I'm really glad that we're talking about mental health because I have been digging into some patterns of my own the last couple of days. Okay. Realizing that I get very anxious around some uh, issues to do with finances, even though I've always been fairly smart with my smart with my finances. I just don't spend a ton, but I taxes and mm. my inability to know how to like, so I own a home. So refining it. So what happened was I reacted and I noticed deep in my self that I was behaving almost primally when people were asking mm-hmm. me questions about refining my house. Um, I either was avoiding the conversation mm-hmm. Or I, and at one point I just yelled at my dad, I don't know, I don't know, um, Mm -hmm. like a child. And what I realized is that I've got some deep, deep Mm -hmm. shame around feeling 
like I am a not worthy to mm-hmm. be well off financially and B um, I don't feel like an adult because I don't know the ins and the outs of finances. So instead of addressing those things head on, I have been avoiding them and mm-hmm. not avoiding them in that I don't pay my taxes or I don't, but avoiding them as in, I don't address them in a way that would probably be really helpful for me moving forward. So yeah, all that to say, last night I had a bit of a meltdown. Nice. And it was really good because I chatted with my friend who is also someone who is diagnosed ADHD. So I'm ADHD mm-hmm. OCD diagnosed. Um, nice. You're welcome. Uh, you know, Enneagram 3, 2, I don't know. Uh, and I asked this person, I said, hey, do you experience, and he goes, around every big decision? Yes. And I was like, oh, it's part of how my brain processes things. And even just having that as a as a realization, like, oh, other people freak out about these things, even if they're not showing that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, made me feel just a little bit better. And today I was able to sit down with a bunch of receipts, start working on my finances from this month, as well as get ready to send a bunch of things into a mortgage person. All that to say... I'm doing well. Um, and I'm I'm feeling like, all right, you're taking steps in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Someone described themselves as someone once said, uh, I'm feeling uh strong yet tender at the same time. And I'm like, that's how I feel yes. a lot. So Yes. Yes. And so it's kinda like when you work out and you're you know the pain is good. Mm-hmm. Right? But that doesn't make it any less pain. So mm. I know that these are, you know, we, we use the like cliche and trite things like adulting, but the truth is, is a lot of us mm-hmm. are feeling like fake adults. And so learning how yeah. to redefine what does it mean to be an adult, learning to understand like, yeah, you may mm. not do this really well, but you do all these things really well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm getting And also up. the financial world that our parents grew up in is fucking ridiculously different and nowhere near what they could have taught us. Like the, yeah. like the, what, what we grew up with was like, my mom would always say like, you have to go to school 18 mm-hmm. years. You got to go to college. Yep. Um, and my mom even said, you don't even have to use your, this is something my mother said, you don't even have to use your degree. You just got to have one because employers want to see that, which is like, would be true if I would, if I would like, you know, like get a quote unquote normal job. But like that was, but yeah, I like I think we're they, going they, they also to have to shift that word "normal job" because yeah. the creative landscape is so different now. And the creative landscape, and also the gig economy, and also mm-hmm. just the way that the economy in general is right now. Yeah, it's so different. And I would, I would say, when it, I'm again parenting advice i don't have children i was a youth pastor for six and a half years so i have Mm -hmm. seen the outcomes of different parenting practices i will say bob and chris heath who we're gonna have on the show at some point as uh, honorary aunties um they raised me so my father's a physician mom is a nurse we grew up however both of them came from financially not poor but not you know couldn't just do what they wanted one of the greatest gifts my parents gave me was the thing that frustrated me my my most, like the most in my teenage years, which is that my parents let my brother and I make money on our own. We paid for school. They were always there, but mm-hmm. we were never like the other doctor's kids. I remember I worked a summer at my dad's clinic because we had to work every summer. We had to. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I remember these other doctor's kids would just scan their parents' IDs for food. So I would eat off all the other doctor's kids' things. Oh, my God. And I was so confused by, like, because that just wasn't my experience. And I remember just being like, well, why can't I get a new car? Like, I want a car. And my parents were like, okay, how much money do you have saved? And I had, like, a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. And then I had I got it like kind of a junker of a car, but I loved it. It was an old, old, old BMW. Mm-hmm. The radio didn't work, whatever. But it taught me the value of things in a way that, you know, I might have had a weird moment of primal bah with my mm-hmm. dad yesterday, but such a gift to know that mm-hmm. like he let us, they were always there to catch us when we fell, but 100% also were like, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? The life isn't, you don't just get handed stuff, which I think is a good mm-hmm. parenting. So friends, if you're really, really wealthy, send it to your auntie Kevin and your auntie Sarah. Mm-hmm. You don't use it for your kids. We'll, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Send your, actually just send us your money. That's what I'm saying. I feel like we, we can I've help you parent. It. We can help yeah. you parent. I will like, as also a former youth worker and youth minister myself, I also know many things about how to communicate with the youths. The youths. Um, the youths. Um, also, I wonder. <clears throat> I wonder if there was like this thing of you seeing somebody else like getting something, like someone else who's like on on the, your, one of your peers getting something that you should have, quote unquote, should have access to, but it was denied. Right. And I'm just like, huh. That's that's like that's an interesting story that I've seen repeat. It's just like seeing other people oh, get with this me? thing. So I'm. I, yeah, like I must not yeah. be worthy because I'm not getting, you know, dad's ID card for lunch, you know. Oh, oh, yes. Uh, maybe I'll call my therapist. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe. Who knows? I love looking at like my parental relationships because it just explains so much about me. It's so good that we're but talking yeah. about my house. Speaking of which, how the hell are you? How the hell am I? Um, This week... <clears throat> Uh, my family, I, there's a bit of COVID outbreak in my family. And so I'm doing <laughs> just a, a touch of COVID outbreak. Yeah. Just a touch of COVID outbreak and three people in my family who are over 60 and one of them is like 91. So yikes. Um, so I've been doing a lot of, you know, crying and okay. self care, um, taking my meds every day, walking, um, keeping up with my yoga practice. But I have just been kind of like low-ish energy, like not just like grief feels like exhaustion to me to feel feelings. And so, yeah, because oh. kind of, you're an eight, right? On the Enneagram. Yeah. So feeling emotions is disgustingly hard for me. Mm. And so I have to sleep more sometimes. So that's what I've been doing. It's just been taking care of myself. Um, <clears throat> that being said, um Today has been wonderful. It's been a beautiful day. I I always wake up around 7.30 or 8 and took my dog out. We went on a walk on the Beltline, went on a walk, met up with my fake, my street boyfriend, John. Um, and just I got to spend time with him. He's one of my Can favorite he be my street boyfriend? He'll be, I mean, you have, you have to ask him. Yeah, that's right. Consent. He can be my um, long distance fake street boyfriend. I mean, I am straight, so maybe just long-distance fake boyfriend. Or just long-distance boyfriend, if that's what you want. You just got to ask for what you want, Sarah. <laughs> ask for what you want, Sarah. So you met up with John. <clears throat> we hung out. It was good to see him, and then he went to, to jiu-jitsu. Um, As one does. Up, 
Yeah, I picked up my meds from the pharmacy, came home, took a nap, read some tarot on Instagram. Ooh. And uh, not in that order, reverse that, and here I am. So, fine, I'm fine. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a fine mood. I've got a little glass of wine. I'm hydrated today. Ooh. Yeah, I have got to say I'm having book club with my girlfriends at three today and we all have a little glass of wine. I've been doing really well and getting pretty healthy and not I haven't had wine in a couple of weeks, but my friend Susan's birthday is this weekend. So we are doing a book club. When you say getting healthy, do you mean that you have particularly abstained from drinking as a personal choice? I'm super glad you asked. Um, I haven't abstained from drinking. I've just been mm. drinking uh, water, like sparkly mm. water with vodka in it if I'm going to have a beverage. I know. You better get healthy. You better get healthy. I know. It's like poor Which person no, seltzer water. No, it's not. I do this all the time like because I'm the person who has a soda stream. And so I put vodka with my soda stream water. So like, fuck it. Yeah, it's basically my CrossFit drink. I was out with my brother and his friends when I was home in December and I ordered a sparkling water with some vodka in it. And they're like, we didn't know you did CrossFit. It was the funniest moment. And I was like, no, what? And they're like, that's literally all of our guy friends who do CrossFit because it's like the calories. And especially if you use like Tito's or something like that, Mm -hmm. not that you have to drink. It's everyone's journey. You do you. But um, for me, uh, when I am not abstaining from alcohol, but am trying to abstain from a hell of a lot of calories. I drink soda water and vodka. Yeah. I do soda water, vodka, and some kind of fruit, a little lemon squeeze, a little lime Stop moment, it. some mango. Okay. Can I just acknowledge something that just happened in my body? You I got just very got excited. I did because I started thinking about the fact that you and I booked an Airbnb for us to be together in person in September. And I was like, Listen. Hearing you talk, I'm like, you muddle me drinks when we see each other in person. And I was like, oh, this is going to happen. Listen, I plan on just having another, uh, once again, the best time. That's what oh, I do. The best. Uh, so, so it's let's good. take a, yeah, I feel good about this. I think <laughs> that we should, I need to get my bottle of water actually. So I'm going to stand up. We'll take a quick break and come right. back and then we're going to hop into some questions. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right back. And welcome back. We're going to hop into questions around mental health. But I would also mm-hmm. love to talk about for like half a second, just, you know, brief overview of our mental health journeys, what oh, sure. we know we deal with. Do you use any medications to deal with your or uh, help with your mental health? Do sure. you, et cetera. Do you want to start? Or you want me to start? You can start. Okay. Um, I'm Kevin and I struggle with chronic anxiety and depression. Uh, um. And also, I use Zoloft and Wellbutrin to help manage my anxiety and depression. And I also am a user of cannabis quite frequently. Some may call me a stoner, but I would say that, you know, it's either that or drinking a lot of alcohol these days. So which one has less calories? You know, that's just me. Um, 
And it, I think it would be, anyways. We'll we'll talk about weed on another episode. But uh, yeah, sure. I use those things to manage my mental health. I've been with the same therapist for three years, and I um, I keep a I keep a meditation practice and a yoga practice as part of both my spiritual, like my spiritual for me, spiritual, mental, and physical health are all one and the same. Um, so that's how I kind of, that's how I look at my mental health journey as of late. But, um, yeah. What about you, Sarah Heath? What's, uh, what's going on in your, oh, and I, uh, I live with ADD as well. Um, actually that was the most perfect way to say I live with ADD. Oh, (laughs) I live with ADD. (laughs) Yeah. That's a perfect illustration. So what about you? What about you, Sarah Heath? I'm really glad you asked. Uh, I, this is actually something that's very new in my life. And I just want to recognize if you're someone who grew up in a culture or um, you Mm -hmm. grew up in a social environment where talking about mental health wasn't okay. um, Mm -hmm. I'm Canadian and British. We just become comedians. We don't talk about it. And I grew up with a lot of shame around any of that. So it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I can talk about it. So if you're feeling that right now, like, Oh, I don't want to hear this about them. The only reason we share all this is not to uh, celebrate but to um, just sort of say like, hey, we're all in this together. And also it's okay to talk about it. Um, yeah. Like if, like ment- having a mental health issue is not a, a, a fault. It literally is just a byproduct of living in the world. It sure is. So yeah, I was diagnosed in college as OCD. Um, that manifested in several ways, including uh, a bit of an eating disorder. Um, I So I have disordered thoughts around food. Um, so OCD and then just recently within the last two years was diagnosed with ADHD. I think that's important to my story because I'm female Mm -hmm. and I'm someone who has achieved a lot. And so back in the day, um, you would not diagnose people that seem to be able to overcome, right? So Mm -hmm. some of the stereotypical things people think about ADHD is not, I'm learning so much about how that's not a thing. So I have ADHD, I have OCD. We're still trying to figure out if that's all part of um, what's known as the anxiety sort of mm-hmm. zone. The anxiety expressing itself in all these different ways. Right. So it's a lot of people refer to it as neuroatypical. So I am neuroatypical. Um, I am currently not medicated. Um, I do have Adderall as an option, um, but found that to be really um, life disturbing. So mm-hmm. I am currently not medicated for those things. Um, very recently in my life, um, which again, we'll talk about in another episode, but I started using CBD uh, drops to help with anxious moments. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have been with a therapist for um just switch therapists actually i had a therapist for a year and then mm-hmm. whoop, just started with a new one and um we're working on another fun thing called attachment disorder so i have yeah baby attachment disorders not like um i don't like to think of it as, as like it's not detached attachment style. disorders but it's like uh unhelpful attachment styles Right. So there are actually attachment disorders. I don't have those. Those are usually for mm. children who experienced massive trauma in childhood. So I don't have a disordered form of attachment. Mm. I just have sometimes an unhelpful attachment style. So uh, working around that stuff. So yeah, I think mental health is a journey. I also have a meditation practice as well as I have a uh, yoga practice. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So self-care looks a lot like that for me. 
I also have a gratitude practice, which um, every day I have the, it's a app called gratitude. If they ever wanted to sponsor us Um, daily, I put in what I'm grateful for as well as attached photos. And then at the end of the year, I print it. Okay. That's fucking dope. And I'm probably going to have to get on that. Um, I'll probably start, I'll probably start on the 1st of February because I like that to be a thing. Yeah, sure. um, I just want to say cheers to us for sharing with people. Um, Sip. Is there vodka in this? Um, The answer is yes, because I believe in transparency. Amen. There's wine in my glass because it's the freaking weekend. Baby, I'm about to have some fun. (laughs) Um, Do you want to... So that's our mental health journey and in less than five minutes, but like there's more to it, obviously, than that. In and out, yeah. Um, And I think the one thing I... People always kind of like forget or like they don't... I think everybody thinks that their mental health journey needs to look like everybody else's or that... Or that like this person overcame their depression and they were able to get over it. Why can't I? I'm just like, because your trauma looks different. And overcame is kind of not a helpful Mm -hmm. lives with in a certain way. I think the thing that devastated me most when I got diagnosed with OCD, first of all, I was very, again, um, coming Mm -hmm. from a culture and place where it wasn't okay to have disordered associated with you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt so much shame my whole life being told I wasn't consistent, being like so much shame. And then that turned into compulsive behavior. And then, um, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, (laughs) I was a sorority girl who got really skinny. I was already Mm -hmm. pretty tiny. Um, And so that was celebrated, not brought Mm -hmm. upon, except for my really close friends who were like, "Uh, that's 16 pounds in two weeks. Um, So I... Mm -hmm the hardest thing for me was realizing once you get a diagnosis it's a lifelong thing. So at the first moment it was like a, Oh no. And then it was this weird mm-hmm. gift of, Oh, like it doesn't just go away. It will never go away, but it's always been mm-hmm. there anyway. So why don't we name it? So we understand what it actually is. And I think right. when you bring into the light, we were just talking about this earlier. What's in the light stays in the light and only gets brighter. But what we hide mm-hmm. and try to deny mm-hmm. just gets darker and deeper and harder. And so, um, yeah. yeah, you're right. It doesn't look the same. It does not look the yeah. same. And there's like no, like, I don't know of anybody in the world who like, like all of our friends, like who everybody looks up to or whatever and all like, you know, not to you know toot our horns or whatever, but <laughs> like they are some of the most neurotic people I know Oh, but my the, most famous friends are my most neurotic friends. Yeah. And it's <laughs> Almost a correlation. Yeah. So it's one of those things where you got to recognize, A, you think you're so special because you've got your one pet thing. But guess what? Brenda, Barbara, Suzanne, Joey, Chad, and Michael. Guess what? Everybody's got their own thing. And, and it something make I you less worthy of love, yeah. inclusion, belovedness. Like you. In fact, you belong that. because of it. You belong mm-hmm. because of it. Like, yep. yes. So like, stop thinking that you're so special. Everybody's got a mental health problem. Suck it up. Stop pretending and then name it. So it can become like, cause like words, um, words, like in some way, like make it more tangible for us. And then once it's more tangible, you can and work with it. Takes away the power, right? Yeah. So what is this anxiety? Is it real? 
it, am I in actual physical danger? And actually, sometimes for me, just going, no, this is anxiety. So I'm not in actual danger. So mm-hmm. now what does breath look like in this moment? What does, um, so I always think I'm ruining everyone's life. I always think I'm messed up. It's the worst thing. <laughs> Kevin knows because they talk to me every day, but I'm always like, I did this thing and now everyone hates me, Um, which is like a lot of like, not every, one time I told my dad, I was like, everyone hates me. And my dad looked at me and said, that is very arrogant. Not everybody knows you. Damn. (laughs) I started laughing. The truth, the truth. So um, I want to start with a place that we always kind of said we would, which is, um, Mm -hmm. One of the people that wrote in asked me this question, and I thought it was so a great place to start, which is what is mm-hmm. the worst advice you've heard mm-hmm. for how to deal with mental health? So the question, they, how they asked it was like, what's the worst remedy for mental health you've ever heard? Oh, my God. The worst. OK, so this was this comes from my ex-gay therapy days and so i actually for 12 years was a part of either communities or in like therapy relationships with people Hmm. who who told me uh a like you know it's not your attraction that's the problem you just can't act on your attraction and they would also say there's a way to actively change your sexual orientation and one of the things they suggested one of the things that one of the men the men leaders at my church actually said uh if you're going to look at porn, look at straight porn. Oh, that okay. was that was his suggestion. Look at straight porn when you're masturbating. And that is... Um, <laughs> I think we I, talked about this the other day, or we just talked about it either when we were recording or just the two of us. I cannot remember. Yeah. Because yeah. I've been processing that, like, that is objectifying one thing to objectifying another, and they're not connected in sexuality. Yeah, I also think that that's, that's low-key kind of a form of, sexual trauma because it's just like you know i was like actively like you know medium key at best (laughs) yeah medium key medium high medium it's like a what level of heat was it what's on the the scovilles where are we that's yeah i don't know i would say this is yeah i would say it was mango habanero hot that's the level um you know don't touch your eyes definitely don't touch your eyes also great wings but like you're not going to order them again True. What's uh what's worst advice you ever got re mental health? Oh, uh, okay. So this isn't what I got. Uh this is what I walked with, uh walked through with a, a very mm. dear friend when I was in grad school. She um our brains do a really interesting thing when we experience massive trauma. Sometimes our brains will actually turn off that part. Um you will hear me talk very negatively about the show Game of Thrones, and I know that's gonna make a lot of people angry, but the reason no. why I talk negatively about it i think it was a genius show the ideas were great whatever great Mm -hmm. acting they showed sexual assault Mm -hmm. and to me what they didn't realize is victims of sexual assault when they view it actually are re-traumatized now you can say but i put a warning here's the deal our brains actually will block out things and then we will remember them Mm -hmm. after and our whole body will be re-traumatized the reason i know that Um, is, by the way, I do have a degree in biology and psychology, but that's not why I know it. I know it because a dear friend of mine I went to grad school with had been traumatized as a teenager Mm. and was in college in a class about, like, for her psychology degree, her undergrad. Mm -hmm. They were talking about sexual assault and her body remembered. And so she went into 
um, to the point where having she had to be hospitalized. Um, it was awful. A massive so, trigger. A massive, a massive trigger. So she then ended up um, going to her uh, pastor mm-hmm. who gave this mental health advice. You'll never be able to move through this until you forgive the person. Jesus. No. And, and the person was part of their church community. So she was required in order to have spiritual and mental health by Mm. this person that she really respected during that time to forgive. And I'm not sure if she wasn't supposed to like be in a room when she forgave this person, but I have as a pastor, as someone who hears these stories in very Mm -hmm. difficult and closed situations Mm-hmm. I remember the look on her face when she was telling me I couldn't disconnect my faith from that story. Like, how do I mm-hmm. believe Jesus loves protects me mm-hmm. when I'm being asked to walk up to the person who victimized me and say, mm-hmm. I forgive you. This person has never asked for forgiveness. This person hasn't changed their ways and hasn't admitted it. Come for on. my mental health, I'm supposed to, friends, that is called re-traumatizing and that's called victimizing the victim that is called uh pastoral malpractice thank that you that is yeah that sounds awful spiritual trauma and it's what we did when as women when we think about like what happened with um the clarence thomas thomas case am i saying that right Mm-hmm. My brain sometimes forgets these things. When someone, you know, we made somebody get on the trial and tell, or, you know, get on the stand and tell their story while they were being constantly questioned. We're mm-hmm. re-victimizing a victim and churches do it and it is the worst advice All and it does not time. care for people. Um, real forgiveness, forgiveness for forgiveness sake that like brings wholeness and healing is mm-hmm. a reconciliation process and that's entirely different than just saying, I forgive you no matter where you are or what you're up to. That's so different and one will re-traumatize you. So there's the worst advice I've ever heard. It still makes me a little sick to my stomach. As it should. That's really horrible advice. Best advice I ever got was get a fucking therapist. Best advice I ever got is get a therapist. Mm. Also, pastors. Let let Auntie Sarah, Auntie Reverend Sarah talk to you. Pull up a chair. Pull up a chair chair. and let... Pastor Auntie Sarah has a word for you. I have a degree in psychology, a minor in biology. I graduated second in my class in psychology. You're welcome. I am not a therapist. Mm. I've taken many, many units of pastoral care. What I need Mm -hmm. you to hear is we are not therapists. Say that. Pastors are not therapists. Unless you actually have a degree. Unless you actually have a degree. So when you walk in a room, you need to understand that the people that you're talking to think you're a therapist. Why do I say that? Because one of the first things you should say to someone who's explaining to you the di- most difficult part of your story is, I'm not a therapist. I'd love to sit with you in this. I'd love to chat with you about it. But I'm going to say, here are the people. And one of our mm-hmm. biggest things that we need to do is actually have professional resources that mm-hmm. we outsource to. And I'm talking the ministry of referral. Right. And I'm talking, even if it's not, if it's marriage counseling, take that word out of that. You are not counseling a couple. If it is, you are not, that's not counseling. Uh, the number of trauma, 
traumatized people I've talked to, it's because they thought the person they were talking to was the mental health professional and they weren't. So that's my last, we can, you can walk away from my desk now. Let's turn to other people's questions, but I just needed to say it. We are not therapists. I want to say yes and amen. I want to second that emotion. And I want to say that, uh, second that emotion. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I have nothing more to add to that. That was actually beautifully stated, beautifully punctuated. And now I want to get into some cues from the from the crew. Because you also take some screenshots of these pictures so we can, or these questions. So once the question goes away, we can oh still God, see Oh my God, thank you. I didn't know that was the thing I needed to do. Yeah, I mean, it'll go. It's cute because you help me know how to not be a grandma. You know, I teach everyone how to be present. What? That's stupid. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, but that's what I do, like, so that, like, if I'm recording it a couple of days later, or if we want to make a part two electric Which boogaloo. Which I think we need to, yeah. Mental health, part two, electric boogaloo. <laughs> I love it. That's what we'll call it. It'll have a light show. Everyone's going to love it. So why don't we start with a question that you got? Okay. Let's see. Let's see. Um, let's go. Okay. Ah, this is actually a really good one. Uh, And it actually is directly applicable to dealing with pastors. Um, It says, this is from Lucas. Lucas asks, how do you deal with pastors who think that depression equals not being grateful enough to God or that it's a spiritual issue? That your depression is you're not doing enough. Mm, I could, you want to tear into this? You want me to tear into this? I just want to start by getting everyone to reflect when you were a little kid and you were really mad mm-hmm. and someone would say to you, what are you mad? What would happen? You would get madder when mm-hmm. someone is depressed and then you shame them for depression, they will get more, more depressed. depressed. What also a concept. science shows us that the physical makeup of the brain of someone who has, this is where I get super nerdy, um, the physical makeup of someone who has depression, real clinical depression. um, And I would say all depression that is felt is real. So don't use Mm -hmm. that person as real depression. That person doesn't just because one is diagnosed and one is not. Um, Mm -hmm. Their brain makeup is different. Their serotonin reuptake is different. The speed at which they look, process things. Friends, Mm -hmm. it is not about gratefulness and in fact your brain doesn't even have the capacity Mm. to focus on gratefulness because here's the thing you trying to be grateful will make you feel more ashamed for not being able to feel grateful which could spiral you into deeper depression Mm. and i've seen it over and over now am i saying that those of us who are experiencing a little bit of the like i would call them the covid blues will Mm -hmm. gratefulness help us absolutely because our serotonin reuptake are we've got our, you know, everything else is firing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we're just expanding something that's already okay. But the moment you ask someone to just get out of it, you are actually pushing the person further in. So that's yeah. the beginning. What are your thoughts, my love? Um, how, the question was, how do you deal with these pastors? And the answer is I don't. So <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> and that's dead ass is like, if your pastor is telling you that your mental health issue is a spiritual issue, that you're not praying hard enough, then honestly, fuck them. Um, probably fuck him. Probably a him. 
and just walk away, like find a different spiritual community, find a different church. And like, there is the lie that the brain tells us that you're going to be so lonely out there. I'm just like, you're lonely now. You're lonely sitting in this church that isn't serving you. Oh, let's pause and hear that. If you think you're going to be more lonely, no, you're already experiencing that thing that you're most afraid of. Mm-hmm. Also, who gives that pastor the authority? Hmm. All of us. Not God. No, all of us who continue to allow this person to speak into our lives. There is, I think God gives us this thing, this like moment um, where if we're generally in okay mental health, um, well, you know, the idea of schizophrenia does give us a sense that you know, mm-hmm. things are not exactly as they are. But mm-hmm. if there's a rub where you're like, this doesn't feel right. Talk to people outside of your faith community, mm-hmm. share the story with them and see what their reactions are to it. Um, I think that's really important for you to say, hey, my pastor yeah. said this. Does that make sense to you? Honestly, that's the thing. And also, if you don't have friends outside of your faith community, that is data to work Ooh, with. Yeah. And I'm, Because... A lot of times, like, we don't even know that we're getting stuck in abusive church or religious communities because uh, we're insulated. A lot of these communities become very insular. You only hang out with them because that's the way to get closer to God is to get closer to this community. And thus you get enmeshed and then you get codependent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to point out something really quick that has been um, really life-giving to me in our friendship. So you'll notice that Kevin used the term data or data for those of us who are Canadian. Um, Or data if you're from the South. Right. Data, data. Uh, There is, instead of saying truth, Mm -hmm. I think so often we need to hear things as data or data or something to be added in and not necessarily as truth. And then what is that thing telling us? Um, And so- I think it's important for us to always, because sometimes we think things are true um, and it's just data. It's just giving mm-hmm. us information about something. doesn't mean it's true or not true. It just it's, is. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. Like my depression is neither a good nor a bad thing. It just is. It's a, something I live with. Just like my ADD is not good nor bad. It's just my brain works differently. Yeah. You know, and I can, I can like my, fr- I can be frustrated with myself at times because it's hard to remember, you know, things from moment to moment. But at the same time, it's not uh, its not a mark against me. It's not a moral failing. It's a something that like, you know, how much of, like, how much of this is a survival mechanism from when I was traumatized when I was a kid? Lots of it. So I also want to point out from this perspective of what do we do with these pastors? Um, if you are someone who is in a faith community and you take uh, scripture to be important uh, or this narrative of scripture, I want us to notice that we are never told to take our pastor's word as optimal and all authority. Hello. Well, it depends on who you ask, but someone would say that, would read that thing from Romans where they would say, uh, all authority is given by God unto a person, so we have to give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and we have to respect the person in authority. So evangelicals actually don't believe that. Right. That's fair. Uh, it's not fair. And we can talk about linguistically what's happening as well as mm. society and cultural, but you always have to look at it. It's mm. a layered, layered thing. But I think the fact that so many pastors think differently might give us information that authority mm. um, is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. You give um, something that uh, 
can't remember who said it. It was in a book called A Course in Miracles, Made Easy. Uh, but they said just that, that most of the time authority figures are merely authority figurines that we invest with authority and therefore we must divest the authority from it and invest it back into our own damn self. Oh, I love it. All right. Okay. New question. Your turn. New question. Okay. I think this one will be uh, particularly helpful. How do you, okay. How do you politely tell someone they need, and I'm quoting this, this is from Josie. How do you politely tell someone they need fucking therapy? (laughs) Um, Yo, that is, yeah. Especially when like you are the person who is like doing, this is, I was, that was was listening to a different podcast actually. And they were like, how can, like my mom is, they, she needs mental help because I'm growing and changing and no one else around me is growing and changing and it's starting to cause conflict because I'm drawing boundaries. And so that's a lot of times what happens is like, as we get healthier as individuals um, and if we are a part of unhealthy relational dynamics, those relational dynamics um, are used to being unhealthy. And so when a system is feeling unhealthy and there's folks within a system that's unhealthy, you know, like a church or a, you know, social movement, um, if it's unhealthy, um, what the system will try to do is try to push out or deter the new behavior or the good behavior because it interrupts the power flow. It interrupts the power structure. Even right. if the power structure is harmful to the people in it, it's what is recognized. And a lot of time when, with fear and manipulation, we learn that. So how do you tell someone that they need therapy? A, continue always. Like if there, it's like a family member, just continue to say like, hey, these, this is my experience with therapy. Talk about all the really good things you've experienced in therapy. Um, if you have a friend who really needs it, like you need to like, it depends what you, you got to go into it with. This is my thing. You can only tell them, you can only set the table. They have to choose yes. to come to dinner. Yes. And so, it's asking questions. Yeah. So sit down with them and be like, Hey, I've noticed X, Y, and Z things. What do you, do you notice that in yourself? Some people don't even notice that they have certain behaviors that are like exhibit of like, you don't seem to be doing well. And so sometimes it might be news to them that they're not doing well and not functioning. So, uh, and other times they might get offended at the notion that they're not doing well. And you don't have to defend it. Just be like, Hey, I just, I just, sometimes I worry about you and I want you to know that I love you. I support you. And that I think that maybe talking to a mental health professional would be really helpful in processing this thing that you've been going through. You know, or maybe just it might be helpful with the fact that you're in COVID season right now. And it's really, really hard on all of us. Like, I'm still like, I thought I was going to be seeing my mental health person, my my therapist, like maybe once a month in the new year, because I was like on track and I'm doing great. Now, every other week still, you know, still trucking in, still checking in with that. Um, But you start there, you just say, hey, I think that this could be a helpful thing and leave it at that. And then... If they like whatever, like if their behavior is something that you can't tolerate, yes. that's when you yes. have to step in and like draw the boundaries. Say, hey, when you do this, it is not okay with me, period. And if this doesn't change, then our relationship is going to have to change. And so you have to say, if you don't start seeking help in this way, then say, like, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't care, like, you know, as like I don't care what you do, but your behavior has to change. And this is one thing to help with that. And if you're not willing to put in the time to like make yourself 
feel better so that you stop treating me like shit, then I can't be here with you. Because like, like you're not responsible for people's healing. You just are responsible for telling them what's up. You are not responsible for people's healing. I agree. And I also think what's always been helpful for me in those places and spaces when I felt resistance to people, I'm not ready to hear what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. Um, my first experience uh, with therapy and with going to a psychiatrist was actually not a forced situation, but an intervention where my family member, my father showed up and my mom and dad showed up to my apartment and were like, Hey, we're going, um, because I wasn't ready Mm. to hear it. Now that was different than you need to go to therapy. That was you, you know, we're worried you're in a crisis. Mm -hmm. The best times I've experienced are when people have asked questions and said, wow, that sounds like that's really affecting your day to day. So there's empathy. Wow. When you tell me that, that tells me, feels like, and, or like you said, this is really affecting the way that we interact. Mm-hmm. I wonder what would be some ways that we could move beyond this. I know mm-hmm. for me, and I always say, and I know for me, therapy has been life giving and saving and, mm-hmm. and even bringing your own part of the story. Like, I had so much shame around it. I'll be honest. Yeah. Of and course. now, and now I have so much freedom around it. Mm-hmm. And I started to see people in a different light and started, started to understand that we're all a little bit messy. And um, what would that look like for you? Mm-hmm. And people, you'll find people have boundaries that you didn't know. I mean, I, one friend, I knew they needed to get some help around some mm-hmm. anger that they'd been holding onto for a long time. And I discovered just through asking these questions um, that they didn't know how to navigate that with their insurance. And so mm. just the question of like, Hey, what is, have you thought about therapy and like, what are the things that you feel like hold you back from it? And if the person's like, I've not thought about therapy and that's when you can do the thing that Kevin is suggesting that he's so helpful is like, okay, well that's a boundary until we've, until you've worked around these things, it's really hard mm-hmm. for me to be around you because I feel like we're talking two different languages and it's kind of like, we're just going to keep running into this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah. not that I don't care and love you, but mm-hmm. that's different than, um, hey, it sounds like you're interested in that. Is there something that's holding you back from that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And at the end of the day, um, mental health is not an excuse for shitty behavior. It's an explanation, but not an excuse. Please don't put that on a t-shirt, but like maybe write it down in a journal. Yeah, write it on, you know, and that's like, I, like and that's also like, that goes for us too, is like, mm-hmm. I got to recognize, even though I have depression and anxiety and like from time to time, mm-hmm. my bills still got to get paid. You know, mm-hmm. I still got to show up for my responsibilities. I still got to like let my try mm-hmm. to, as much as possible. Let my yes be my yes. And then also at the same time, if I'm struggling heavy with depression, mm-hmm. to communicate that with people and just being like, it's like, hey, I'm struggling really, really hard with this right now. Uh, I don't have, I need to step back or I need to change things or we need to change what we originally started with. It's because- just that, that honesty. It's not bread. It's not in the culture. It's like, uh-huh. if there's so much shame, I was like, I don't have any shame anymore around taking space. Like when I, like this past week, when my found out my mom, I was like, Oh, she's going to go get tested for COVID. Oh my God. And then like, of course I broke down and I was like, I don't serve my clients best. If I am openly weeping on the phone nope. or like, it's like, uh, I had another person in my life who their dad died and they were planning on going back to work that day. 
Uh, and I was like, no, you have to call your boss and say, hey, my dad just died. I won't be in for two weeks. Like, we don't give enough room for grief. That's a whole nother thing. Ugh. Okay, but like, um, speaking of something you just said a moment ago around insurance, um, this comes from another good question. What is... Um, what are the resources? What's the best resources for finding therapists that you know about? How did you find your therapist, et cetera, et cetera? So resources, best way to find therapists, things like that. Okay. I uh, Best resources, believe it or not, Psychology Today, which is a uh, magazine, a uh, really good one. They actually have mm-hmm. a really good um, online registry of psychologists and psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. The I, because of the system that I'm under for healthcare, I have Kaiser. Um, so I wasn't able to get into therapy in a time that would have been helpful for me. And so I started looking and found just by Googling, um, found in my community, something known as a sliding scale. Yeah, baby. That's most therapists actually. Right. Based on your income or level of what you can give towards um, mental health, there are therapists, some who are in training, and I've got to say I've had incredible experiences with therapists who are in training. They may record you, but then that means they're going and talking to really great um, like uh, professors and whatnot. So they're working on your case as a team, which I find like that's mm-hmm. when are you ever going to get that again? So um, I have done that, and so I found the way I – found my latest therapist was um, through discovering that this is a nonprofit that does therapy for the community. And I was shocked to find those exist in many, many communities and not just urban settings. So mm-hmm. great way to find therapists. The other thing is when we are open about these things, we start to meet other people who have experienced great therapy mm-hmm. um, and they might give you a really good suggestion. So yeah. but sometimes it starts with your primary care physician, whatever it might be. Yeah. I would say get on Twitter and ask somebody, um, ask somebody in your community, Hey, I'm looking for a new therapist, put it on Facebook if you want to. Cause like the thing about it is, is like, you might feel embarrassed, but like most of the people around you are not embarrassed. So lulls. Um, I would suggest, um, the, if you are somebody who is impacted by financial inability to pay, check out, um, open the open path collective, just Google it. Open path collective has a whole bunch of therapists listed on there in a whole bunch of different fields who actually have free spots available, uh, in their client load. Um, that's one area. If you are a person of color, especially a black woman, therapy for black girls.com is a really great resource. Uh-huh. And if you're a queer person, um, I have a Christian two- budget. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. I am a big suggest, like these are my two, I send everybody there, thechristiancloset.com or iamclinic.org, which is a Colorado-based uh, therapy group run by my friend Isaac. And so and I like both of these people are my friends. I trust them. I trust their teams. And I send everybody there. And it's all online, so you can check it out from anywhere in the country. Everything we just said is going to be in our notes as well um, so that you can yes. use those resources. That's going to be really key because we know that you didn't ask this question just to ask it there's something that Mm -hmm. you're wondering about so yeah um what was the other thing i was gonna say i don't know i don't know either do we have time for one more yeah easy okay uh oh god what is that what is this giggle um how do you rescue friends and fam this is from brandon um 
Brandon from New York asks, how do you rescue friends and fam whose toxic religion is having disastrous mental health effects on them? How do you rescue them? Yes. You don't. I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> just how so did you know? You know? Just Kevin, you're literally one of my closest friends. And I just, by your, I, just as I was reading that, I was like, Kevin's answer is yeah. you can't rescue anyone because that is actually truth. You can't rescue yeah. him. Yeah. And um, the sooner, this is what we have to recognize about our family is that we are not their saviors and we cannot treat them like a project or some, or we cannot treat them like another mi- mission trip. We can't treat them like another evangelism project because they're our family. And that's exactly what they're doing to us and we hate it, right? Yeah. So when you're dealing with families who come from religious, you know, conservative religious backgrounds that are hurtful and or evangelical and or cult, you know, because most of us, a lot of, I feel like a lot of our people kind of float around there. Mm-hmm. You have to recognize that at the end of the day, if a person does not choose something for themselves, like you can't lead somebody where they do not want to go. You have to remember how you got to where you are. And it wasn't, it was good questions, mm-hmm. but you had to build the bridge yourself. Mm-hmm. No one could push you onto it. And in fact, oftentimes when we feel pushed into something, we we react by restricting and going back and going mm-hmm. further into the beliefs that were toxic. Yeah. So I think give yourself a break. It is not your job to rescue them from it. Yeah. But yeah. you can ask good questions and you can do the thing that mm-hmm. no one else can do, which is share your story and say, look, man, that's on I There's like I gotta, tell you out of a place of love it's hard for me to hear you say that because i think you're great and when you keep talking about how that's a it just breaks my heart yeah because like i would just ask like you know if it's if their religion or their belief is causing them misery causing them to be miserable point that out and be like hey you seem miserable is that true? I literally will say it to people, I'm just like, what you're doing is causing you to feel terrible. Do you I'm only laughing because you say you've said that to me before. Oh, you seem miserable. <laughs> yeah. And the thing about it is, is like we no, I'm blessed by God. I'm you know, happy, holy, and you know, you know, covered. I'm I'm bathed in his blood. You know? And it's it's time for us to like get real with that and be like, Hey, you seem miserable. And I honestly think like, that's really the thing is like, you could, again, it's all about the invitation. You set the table, you continue to live your life the way you Mm -hmm. want to live in a way that is joyful. And also this is sounds like God evangelism 101, make your life so attractive that they're going to ask, what do you do different? And you could say, Oh, it's therapy and medication rather than in that voice. Say it. It's therapy and medication. <laughs> but like, seriously, it's just like, I I think for my life and like, this is what I love doing with my life is telling other people like, these are the strategies, practices, things that help me get my fucking life back, my mental health back, my spirit yes. back. Yes. And all you can do is invite more people into the dance and say, this might work for you. Because the thing about it is, is like also putting it on there, just like just your mental health fix doesn't always work for, you know, Bob, Linda and Susan over here. It's a thing about taking responsibility. One of the things that I think is super toxic about a lot of faith communities and practices is it Mm. puts the responsibility of your well-being on someone else. Very good. And so the moment 
you can say, look, I am not your savior in the same way that you are not my savior. Mm. I need to take responsibility for the way that I'm living my life. And I cannot take the responsibility for how you are living your life. Um, and in that moment, there's freedom for both you and them to mm. be fellow humans, humaning. Mm-hmm. And um, I think just let go of feeling like you have to save anyone because you have to remember that before you got to where you were, mm-hmm. you quote unquote needed salvation and you never could do it. And it's one of those things that I think our friends who have gone through AA mm-hmm. do really, really well is they yep. take responsibility for their mm-hmm. own and they release the need for someone else to save them because people will always, always, always let you down. And the reverse is true. You will always, always, always let other people down. And so mm-hmm. you have to release yourself from it. Yeah. Something that a lot of my friends in recovery will say was, uh, are you willing to take at least 1% of the responsibility for your sobriety and recovery? And so I do the same question to all of us. Are we willing to take at least 1% of the responsibility for our own healing? Just mm. Not even... And, and a lot of times it's just like, well, what does that look like? Maybe 1% responsibility looks like looking up a therapist and just starting the conversation. Maybe it's, you know, I'm going to start drawing boundaries. Maybe it's like, I know that if I went on a walk instead of like, I know that if I would drink more water, I might feel better. Oh, you by know? the way, that is actually put that on our list of tips. Good advice today. At, at the end of every single one of a tiny revolution, I say, take your meds, call your person. Drink some water, move your body in a way that feels good, eat something that tastes delicious, call your therapist, and shake your ass. Drink your water. Yeah. That's my Drink thing. Drink water. There's one more question on this side I think would be a really good one. to. Okay, cool. And then I'm going to save all of these. So if we didn't get to your question, um, it's not because you're unchosen. It's just because that was the flow we, of it. But we will get to all of these questions. Yeah, because um, a lot of them are also doubled up too. So we need to like sort through them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, this one is actually really good. Uh, and I think would be, uh, fun to live on. Sydney asks, uh, when getting a therapist, should they be or not be Christian slash religious? What are the pros and cons either way? Very good. Ooh. Okay. So I, Queso, am a- I love queso. Okay, so um, I am a professional Christian, um, <laughs> and I will tell you that I think it has been absolutely important for my person to understand that I have a faith background, but also that I ask that it doesn't come into therapy just as I don't want to be anyone's therapist. I don't want my therapist to be my pastor. Ding, ding, ding. So I actually think it is best to explain that part of your story is, hey, I'm a person of faith, how I process the world or the lens from which I, you know, engage the world has that in it. I need you to not be anti that, but I also need you to not add to it. Mm -hmm. I have had very near and dear people go to quote unquote Christian therapists and they have never returned to therapy because of it. Yeah, because, because the, Christian therapists have an agenda. The guilt typically. they felt, yes. The guilt they felt was beyond. Uh, someone stayed in a really toxic marriage a lot longer than they should have because mm-hmm. they were with a Christian therapist who kept saying, God, you got to just trust God more than you trust the outer voices and things mm-hmm. like this and other people. And it, it, it damaged both of them um, in really, mm-hmm. really difficult ways. So I, yes, I am a pastor. I think it's important to mention that as part of your life. I don't think all Christian therapists are bad, but I want to say a therapist who happens to be Christian, not a Christian 
therapist. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A therapist who happens to be Christian, great, maybe. Or versus a Christian therapist. Because if I'm a Christian therapist, my first I have first a worldview. I have a, my first uh, like uh, allegiance is to the kingdom of God, not to you. Right. Versus I'm a therapist who is a Christian. There's mm-hmm. a there's a difference there. Yeah. My therapist comes from a UMC background. Um, Sorry, that's what I am. Yeah. And so it was really, really helpful. She's also queer and a woman and also poly and also kind of witchy. So I'm just, I really hit the jackpot with my therapist, to be honest. Um, Is your therapist you? (laughs) No, thankfully not. Because uh, if she was, she'd be a much bigger mess. Just kidding. Not saying my therapist is a mess. Sorry, that, that sounded horrible. Anyways, I would also second that emotion because all of the therapists I went to were Christian therapists with the, okay. So it was actually my first non-Christian therapist that actually got my mind starting to change on all the gay shit. Um, because I went to him, his name was Kevin as well. He was on the Christopher Newport university mental health team and they did free, free, free sessions for, for everyone, for all students. So I had a half hour session every week for free for a year and a half. Um, and that. it changed and it changed my life and the thing that Kevin taught me and really allowed me to have space for he's just like Kevin I don't think God would do something like he's like I'm not saying what you have to believe about God but I don't think God would make you this way and then uh call it, like say that you couldn't have it because that that's just putting you in pain he was mm. the first person to point out how much pain I was in because I was weeping in his office over it really interesting um but all I have to say is that, like you said, therapists who happen to be Christian, awesome. Like the Christian closet, for example, you don't have to be Christian to go to them. They're just very Christian informed and all of them are queer. Literally, it's a whole staff of queer people. So you don't need to worry about that. Same thing with I Am, uh, I am Clinic. Um, and that's also something you can seek out on things like uh, Open Path Collective and on Psychology Today is like, Find people who are religious informed, find people who are trauma informed, find people who are POC informed. Um, I think that's the that difference. I- it's like, what's the thing that comes first in the relationship? And that's why I say a Christian therapist is never going to work for me, but a therapy who is a Christian, a therapist who's a Christian could work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So never go to a Christian therapist, but go to therapists who might be Christian. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, Again, it reset, reach out to us if you're still wondering. Um, and remember, uh, all therapists, just because you started with a therapist, think about it like dating. It's like speed dating. You can go to three sessions, and if it's still not vibing, that's not your mm-hmm. therapist. Don't quit after the first one you've gone yeah. to. My dear, dear friend uh, quit therapy because they had two negative experiences, and I – I just think, oh man, I wish, I wish they had given it. Mm-hmm. Um, it one hundred percent was the match with the therapist. It doesn't yeah. mean you're saying they're a bad therapist, right. and all therapists are trained to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And if they're not okay with that, it does not fucking matter. No, it's not your job. And also, if they're mad at you for like, if they get upset with you for like needing to switch therapists, that is literally on them because their entire goal is to help you. So they should actually be making referrals to other therapists who might work for you. That's what they should be doing. But what do I know? I'm just somebody who's been doing it for a while. 
That's right. Hey, thank you so much, friends, for trusting us. I want to honor the space and recognize that these are tough mm. questions. Um, and these are people who are having a really, you know, these come from the heart. All the questions that we get come from the heart. Um, mm. And we might be silly, silly some humans. Them, and some of them might come from the fart. i just gonna say we're really funny humans i needed to break the tension i'm so sorry that i'm four years old um did you break wind by breaking the did you break is that how you broke the tension i don't want to talk about it (laughs) (laughs) i'll talk to my therapist about it this week talk to your therapist about it um (laughs) i am grateful anyway Thank you so yeah. much for sharing all of this. Thank you, Kevin, for once again being one of my favorite aunties. Um, and uh, I'm really glad that we're doing this together. It's so fun. Yeah, I'm having fun. Um, I think that's everything for this week. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Sarah, is there anything you want to promote? Anything coming up on your horizons in February, March? Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, you can always check me out at the Making Spaces podcast. Our third season will be coming out in February. Really fun three things. seasons, bitch. Come on. I know. It's not three years. It, we just do seasons based on 20 episodes. So it'll be our 60th episode, which is crazy. So, um, so grateful uh, for that. So that please check that out. That's Making Spaces. You can find us on all social media things. And then just, you know, I'm going to I'm I'm working on some sneaky, sneaky things coming out soon. So Rev Sarah Heath is where you find me um yeah that's it what about you get some stuff you want to share yes um (laughs) (laughs) what because you went yes like a cheerleader no one can see it i know but you did the whole cheerleader i was very Yes. yes i do have things i'd like to share um if you are excuse me if you're looking for community somewhere to plug in check out my patreon community we are uh, i call it spiritual reformation which is what we're doing exploring different ways to do spiritual spirituality outside of strict Christianity. Spirituality. Spirituality. Um, we got workshops, we got merch, we got fun shit. So join in the fun. It's really great. So that's a patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. I'm the Kevin Garcia across all social across. That's how you know I'm from the South too. Across, across. is a Southern word. Y'all, y'all can find me. Um, Just across know, town. Lord, Lord willing and the Creek don't rest. Y'all can yeah. find me across. Also, real quick, I'm 99% sure that the Creek Don't Rise has to do with the Creek Nation. And so it's actually possibly no racist. <gasps> yeah, I, someone told that to me. I haven't verified it, but it sounds close enough. Sounds so I'm not right. taking any chances. Not taking that any chances. That might be. Ooh, the more you know. The more you know. Also, my friend recently just told me that the first time he made out with a girl in the background was the Reading Rainbow. And now all I can hear in my head is... I can go anywhere in like a in a sexual way when you're making out to LeVar Burton oh what a man Uh, that's all the things I have just find me across social media buy my book buy Sarah's books too oh please buy my books I'm awful at promoting them but they're really good and I really like them Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Your Favorite Ants. If you want to send your questions, shoot us an email uh, to askyourfavoriteants at gmail.com. All submissions will remain anonymous unless you want us to drag somebody in public for you, in which case, I mean, like, spill the tea. (laughs) So send us your questions on relationships, spirituality, politics, deconstruction, etc., etc., all the things. And you can follow me across social media at Rev Sarah Heath. 
You can follow me across social media at the Kevin Garcia. My website's thekevingarcia.com. Mine's revsarahheath.com. And this has been a podcast that's a part of the Irreverent Media Group. So follow them and all of our great stuff at irreverent.fm. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye. Make good good choices. I love you. I'll see you later. Bye. We're so proud of you. Oh, you're so beautiful.